What would you do if your best friend asked you to write him a letter? A letter which could change his life. And then we travel to Santiago, Chile, to meet a young man who's riding his bike home one afternoon. When a car slams into him and he flies off of his bicycle, he thinks this is the end. But as he suddenly realizes his soul is leaving his physical form, he has no idea of the adventure he's about to go on. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm doing a little dance in my chair. It's all squeaking. You're like, yeah, it's nice that you're dancing, Jason, but maybe, maybe focus on the audio quality. We have a lot of stuff to cover, so first off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command, give it up for longtime supporters of the show, Nick and Helena Bustin. Woohoo, yeah, come on in, Nick and Helena Bustin into Dead Rabbit Radio. They are longtime supporters of the show. They always stop by for the live episodes we do on Sundays, and they sent me a birthday present. They sent me a birthday present. Because my birthday is next Tuesday, if you're listening to this episode in time. October 4th is my birthday, and they sent me a present off of my Amazon wish list. They sent me the book Humanoid Encounters, The Others Amongst Us. Ooh, spooky title, and timely. It's a meme. This is actually, as much as I'm making fun of the book, as much as... I love this book. This is by Albert Rosales. We've covered a lot of stuff from his Humanoid Encounters books over the years. What I like about it, it's not just UFO stuff. It's not just like, oh, I saw a light in the sky. Well, thanks for telling me that. That doesn't edify my life in any sort of way. This is all humanoids, and it's for the time period 1900 to 1929. So a lot of old school stuff. I'm imagining there's going to be a bunch of fairies in it. There's going to be a ton of fairy sightings, all this stuff. It's like, whoa, dude, this is super awesome. Then I get to the end in there, like, and they were only nine inches tall. I'm like, oh, dang it, man. Nick and Helena, thank you so much for giving me this book for my birthday. You guys are going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, if you guys can't buy me birthday presents, that's fine, too. Just help spread the word about the show that really... Really, really helps out a lot. Now, Nick and Helena, I'm going to toss the keys up into the air. You guys fight over who actually can grab them first. Let's hop in the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Take us on out to Florida. As we're driving out to Florida, we're going to stop off first at North Carolina. Specifically, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. On June 28, 2022, in Winston-Salem, at a Target store, there was a confrontation. There was four people involved in this. You had a guy walking through the store, and he was confronted by three other dudes. And, you know, you know, words were exchanged. The guy, he fell. He was, I'm danger, man. I'm in danger for my life. And he starts slapping at the three dudes. So it's like one on three. And three dudes keep coming. This is in the store, by the way. <laughs> this is like by the toothbrush aisle. And then the dude's like, oh, no, I'm so scared. Uh," And he pulled a gun out and he shot one of these three dudes. And then they took the gun from him. They did a little like, ah, give me the gun. And they took it from the dude and the three guys took off running, right? You're like, man, how scary would that be, right? Like, you're just walking through Target and then three dudes confront you. And you're like, oh, dude, I better shoot. I better start shooting. 
Now, I totally get that, right? Three on one, you can fear for your life. That happened, and that was pretty much the tone of a lot of articles covering this crime. But let's look at what really happened, and we'll see which side, we'll see which side you pick now, you pervert. Huh? You thought that the guy being assaulted was the victim? Oh, you're sicko. Quit listening to my podcast. But that is the way a lot of, a lot of news articles reported the story. What happened is there's a group called Dads Against Predators. And it was these three dudes who lure... I have a hard time saying that word, so it's going to make it sound like I have some head injury slash French accent. They would lure men, generally. So every so often they catch a woman, but I don't know if this group did, but these type of groups. Anyways, Dads Against Predators. They, they go online and they pretend to be underage girls. And then they... Say, hey, you want to meet up? And the dude's like, oh, yeah, dude, I'm total scummo, dude. I'll totally do that. And then when they meet up, generally at Walmart, I watch a lot of these. I watch a lot of these channels on YouTube. I'll be sitting there eating dinner, and they'll be like, what? I'm not a pervert. Let me show you these chat logs. What it is is they lure them to a public place and videotape them and go, you're a child predator. You're so sick. You're a big old gross dude. And videotape, and then they post it on YouTube for me to watch while I'm eating chili beans. That was this group, Dads Against Predators. And there's a ton of these groups out there. There's dozens, at least, that are are active. Dads Against Predators were talking to a 25-year-old man. And they got him to come to this Target. And when they confronted him, he slapped the... Because they were filming him. They're like, what's up, pervert, huh? What's up, you're here to meet this little girl? He slapped the camera, slapped the camera phone out of the guy's hand. A scuffle broke out. And so then this dude pulled the gun out and shot the guy. He's referred to, the 25-year-old guy's referred to as the victim multiple times, even by the police. And I'm like, yeah, okay. He did get roughed up by three dudes. He was the first guy to slap. He's also a dude trying to meet up with a little girl. Right? Like, it's so weird to read these articles. And yes, I guess... You might actually he didn't he didn't get shot. The only thing he did was get harassed and then he hit somebody and they started beating him up and then he shot somebody and he's the victim. This is and you know what's so funny? So you can find a lot of articles about this and we're missing some key details. We don't know how old the fake girl was. Generally, it's a teenager. Generally, it's not like I'm six type of thing. Normally, it's like between the ages of 12 and 16. That's the ones that I mostly see online. The girls don't actually exist, but we don't know how old the girl was, right? Which is weird. The news article, the, I, I have a couple articles in the show notes. You'll start to see the first ones are like, Dads Against Predators were luring this dude. I'm assuming the news reporter could pronounce the word correctly. But then you'll see other articles where it's like, halfway through the article... They set it up and they're like, yeah, this guy, this poor guy was at Target and he got jumped. And then halfway through the article, they're like, yeah, the people who jumped him were from a group called Dads Against Predators. So they'll build it up like, look at this poor guy. This could happen to you, right? <laughs> the reporter is a big old pervert, too. He's like, this could happen to any of us. And everyone else is like, no, it would only happen. I mean, sure, I guess anyone could get beat up at a Target, but this guy specifically got roughed up. Oh, and they were like, they're like articles would be like, we don't know if they're going to charge the men with robbery for stealing that gun. You're like, what are you talking about? This dude was here to meet up with a, a kid, right? 
Now, uh, listen, I understand, like, there are people who go, these people aren't legal professionals. The group's called Dads Against Predators or Creep Catchers. <laughs> A group called Creep Catchers. They're not legal professionals. They're not law enforcement. Nothing like that. I totally get that. And they say, well, they can falsely accuse people of doing things. Yeah, they could. Like, I could totally see that ruining somebody's life, right? They can say that they're actually endangering active police investigations into these pedophiles. I don't believe that. Because I don't think that the police are act. They're obviously you sh these YouTube. I mean, it is catch after catch after catch. If you're gonna have a YouTube channel with 140 videos and you're just in your hometown, <laughs> you're just in your hometown. The police are not doing anything about this, and that's what all of these groups say. They're like, we're doing this one because we really love that Chris Hansen show to catch a predator. But too, like, obviously, if we can catch these many people, then law enforcement is, what active investigations am I interfering with? You're not doing it. I shouldn't be catching anybody. I shouldn't be catching anybody. Now, when I watch these channels, I prefer to watch the ones, and it's boring, and I'm not saying that I watch the first five minutes. Sometimes I'll skip past it. But you need to post the chat logs. Because otherwise, I'm taking you at your word that this guy is as creepy as you say. There are some channels where this dude will just walk up to an Arby's restaurant and be like, hey, bro, you're a pedophile. And they'll be like, what? And they're like, you were trying to meet up with this 14-year-old girl. And he's like, what? Oh, no, I wasn't. I was just trying to be friends with her and stuff like that, which is still gross, right? It's still gross. It's still gross. But I'm thinking, like, if they're the chat, show some of them will show screenshots of the chat log so you can see how gross they are. I would be taking you at your word when you go, you're trying to meet up with this girl and she said this and you were being all perverted and stuff like that. There's a lot of groups like Perverted Justice that will put all of the chat logs online so you can see how gross they are. Right? I'm not, I don't want to get all the details. You can even blur out the grossest stuff, but show me you've done some investigations. But anyways, you have a bunch of these groups and they're actually starting to get taken down. Like I actually was looking for this video because they put post this stuff up. This group called Dads Against Predators were putting on their YouTube channel. The video of them and the target, I couldn't find it. Apparently they took their this is always a bad bad thing. They took their spiciest videos and put them behind a Patreon paywall. So join our Patreon, and then you get access to all this additional content. And apparently, it looks like Patreon shut them down. So all that content's gone. They didn't back it up. It's all gone. And their YouTube channel is no longer any of this stuff. They have a podcast where they sit on a couch and talk about... I don't know if, they, I don't know if this is all they talk about. It looks like they have guests and stuff like that. They're bringing, on, they're bringing on pedophiles. They're like, yes, meet me at my house. Come and talk to my two big brothers. I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. The, all of their catches. I couldn't find them on YouTube anymore. Creep Catchers. Creepcatchers.ca was so big they had their own theme song. It's dope. You want to talk about like a battle rap? If you want to talk about a diss? Their theme song is amazing. I might play a little snippet for you depending on how much I want to go through the fight of copyright violations and stuff like that. But it's a good song. I mean, it's all about catching creeps. Creep so you want to mess around with little girls? Well, we'll expose you to the world, creepcatchers.ca. Another community member at it every day. Your skin is out there walking free on the straight. 
So we put them online for everybody to see. Hope you recognize by everyone you ever did me. Hope it make you lose your job and all the love from your family. Hope it make you get evicted so you live on the street. Begging for change to go get something to eat. Then you feel as helpless as that child would be. What you gon' get a lick it up and then advance with the D. Sex with a drugged up preteen casually. Fuck no. Socially no. castrating, humiliate you since we can't depend on the law. They're giving drug dealers more time than the pedophiles. Nobody has to be raped. People asking for drugs all the time. So fuck it, we gotta spread awareness, not vigilantes. Just showing the amount of goose that's in the county. But there, I can't find them anymore. I think Creepcatcher CA is gone. Like their website's not even pulling up. So there's a couple that are still on YouTube, I know, because I watch them while I'm eating dinner. They pop up in my feed all the time. But you have to, like, the question is, is like, are these groups doing a, a good thing? And yeah, you could go, they could ruin people's lives. People get falsely accused, all this stuff. That just happens with all law enforcement, right? The real police can falsely accuse you. The real police can throw you in jail and ruin your life and all that. These people are just putting you on YouTube. So what's the difference? They'll be like, well, this guy committed suicide when he ran into one of these groups and he got caught. And that sucks, dude. I'm not like promoting that at all. But people do that when the real police and th this is why vigilantism happens, right? Because the real law enforcement isn't covering this. And if you want to talk, we were talking all last week about the percentages of people who believe in stuff like the elite in Hollywood is. Uh, has a human trafficking, child trafficking thing. And it was like, if I remember correctly, like around 30% of Americans believe that. One in three Americans believe that the media establishment and the elites of America have a child trafficking. Read some, the, read some of these articles in the show notes of how they talk about this Dads Against Predators group. They, these news outlets are all saying the same thing. The man, the man who shot them was a victim. They do not give his name out. They never say this guy's name. Generally, when someone opens fire in a public place, they're the criminal, regardless of what led up to that, right? If someone had a really, really bad day at work and shot someone at a target, shot him in the leg, that guy's name is going to be in the media. They're, they don't give the guy's name. He's referred to as the victim. There was a news report, WFMY News. They did a news report. It was five minutes long. It was not until three minutes into the news report. They kept saying this man was lured to target by these people. They were lured to target by this group. It's not till three minutes in do they say they thought they were going to meet a juvenile child, a juvenile girl. Three minutes into a news report, they're just like, yeah, this horrible group just got this poor innocent guy to come there and he had to shoot these people. It's the most bizarre. Like, this is why people believe those conspiracy theories. They're actually going against... You can, listen, you could hate vigilantism and you could hate Dads Against Predators or any of these groups, but I wouldn't not call the other side a victim. And anyone else who pulled out, a, who, who started the fight, doesn't matter what what words are exchanged. The seconds whoever throws that first blow, that's a criminal act. Sitting there and calling someone a pedophile in a public location, that would get you like a misdemeanor, right? That's disturbing the peace. Um, that's nothing. Well, I mean, it's a lot. Some dude's calling you a pedophile, but yeah. And so this is why people believe stuff like that, because we see stuff with our own eyes, right? So yeah, this is the vigilantism is filling that hole. It's 
insane. I'm curious how where you fall on that, right? Like, do you support digital vigilantism? I think that it can have its place and it can go too far. But to say well, we can't have any of these groups because one time this guy got falsely named. They were talking about this one. They falsely named this police officer. They approached this police officer and said, you're a pedophile. You're a pedophile. And he's like, what? No, I'm not, dude. And they're like, that wasn't the right guy. But then the report ends with them saying the police did arrest another one of their officers for solicitation of a minor. So they did have a cop. They had a cop who was doing this. They just got the wrong guy. So maybe he was using a fake name. But it's so weird. But the reason why I wanted to tell that story wasn't just because I am curious. Vigilanteism, does it have its place in society? I also wanted to talk about this. This is an interesting story, another interesting thought experiment for you. Nick and Helena Buston, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We're going to leave behind North Carolina. We're going to take the Carpenter Copter the rest of the journey. We're headed all the way out. To Florida. I'm hoping we get to the near-death experience story in Chile. But I wanted to hedge my bets and give them some carpenter copter time. This was a weird one. This is a really weird one. And this happened over the summer. A lot of you guys know I went to California for the summer. I hang out with my family, met some old friends. And just this was a weird this story. I've been waiting to tell you guys, and I was kind of waiting until it got closer to the end. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Because again, it makes you think, what would you do? Down in Sacramento, I grabbed lunch with an old friend, a good friend. We went to this place called Twin Peaks off of Howe Avenue. It's a place where, not where the cherry pie is delicious... And it's full of memorabilia from the best television show ever made. No, it's a place where all the waitresses wear bikinis. And they serve you del- they serve you delicious bar food. So I meet with my buddy and he goes, hey, you want to go to Twin Peaks? I was like, of course. Who doesn't? So we go to Twin Peaks and we're sitting there and we're getting our food and stuff like that. Place our order. Da, 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 da. And he goes, there's like this moment, right, where I watch my friend. We'll call him Jerry. My buddy Jerry. Sent across from Jerry, and there's this moment where he kind of does that side-to-side look. Right, he's looking to see if anyone can hear us. <laughs> We're in a crowded restaurant. All the waitresses are walking around wearing bikinis. Not the most secure place to start talking about serious subjects. But he kind of does a side-to-side look, and then he goes, Dude, you won't believe what happened to Kamal. Kamal is Jerry's best friend. Best friend. They've been friends for, at this point, it had to have been 20 years, right? One of those super long, super tight friendships. Kamal. I've personally met Kamal maybe three or four times. But those three or four times, Jerry, who's a good friend of mine, would come over to my grandma's house. Where I would stay, sometimes I'd be living with my grandma, sometimes I'd be hanging out with my grandma, sometimes I would just drive over to my grandma's house to get some soda, right? And so, because I would bring my friends over there, we've done episodes about me bringing Josh and Jackie, they're like, please don't put us in this story, but this is a dark one. 
Josh and Jackie would come over to my grandma's house. We'd, we'd hang out, and this is where we would get sodas to replenish, get our diabetic powers back. I've done stories about living there with my haunted backyard and everything like that. Every, all of my friends at one point or another in Sacramento have visited my grandma's house. So it wasn't unusual for Jerry to come over to my grandma's house and for Jerry to bring Kamal. Jerry is a very, very good friend of mine, but I've only met Kamal maybe three or four times, like in person. Hey, buddy, what's up? So we're sitting there. He does that side-to-side look, and he goes, Kamal got arrested. Gotten arrested. Now, again, we're all old at this point, right? I'm 46 on Tuesday. My buddy's 50, and Kamal's 50. So we're all old men at this point. And so, of course, I had to... What in the world? What what could this possibly have led us to this point? And this is the story Jerry tells me. He goes, listen, me and Kamal, we're best friends. We talk on the phone when we can, or sometimes on the internet, you know, Facebook or whatever, once a week. And we've been doing that for, like, years. Because Kamal moved to Florida... They would talk every single week, make a little bit of time out. Maybe it's five minutes, ten minutes, whatever, to talk. I mean, best friends. I don't even do that to my best friends. I don't talk to my best friends every week. I'm a really bad communicator. But a week, every week, every week, they would talk to each other. And he, my buddy Jerry goes, listen, it had to have been in like January of this year, 2022. In January, a week goes by. Kamal doesn't call. Now, you can't guarantee that it was every single week, right? Seems like every single week. And if he can't call, send me a quick message, email, whatever. He goes, but Kamal didn't call, no email, nothing. And then another week goes by. Nothing. Jerry's starting to get worried, right? He's talked to this guy continuously. Now it's two weeks. He can't get a hold of the dude. He's like actually calling now, sending messages out, nothing. Three weeks go by. Nothing. So my boy calls up friends of his in Florida. Like mutual friends, people who know both him and Kamal, and goes, hey, what's going on? What's going on? How come, is everything okay? Like Kamal's not getting a hold of me or nothing like that. And the friend goes, I I don't know. that, That is weird. Kamal's always talking to you. Let me find out. I'll go snoop around, see what I know, put my ear to the street. So that friend apparently went to Kamal's apartment complex. Kamal's not home. Asks one of the neighbors, hey, where's Kamal at? Kamal's not home. One of the neighbors goes, oh, yeah. A couple weeks ago, feds showed up. Kicked down his door. Ran inside, guns drawn. He's under arrest. Kamal was trading child pornography online. He has this stuff on his computer, apparently, and he was trading it online. And at one point, he traded it with an FBI agent. They scooped him up. And I'm sitting here at this Twin Peaks restaurant, and I'm talking to my friend, and... He's telling me this whole story, and I'm just like, 
mean, you just have more questions every time another piece of this story is revealed. Like, what in the world? What in the world? And I remember one of the questions I asked was, was he always like this? Do you think he was always a, a child predator? Do you think he was always into this stuff? And Jerry kind of looked at me and kind of took a deep breath inside. And he goes, I, he says, I just think he got into some really degenerate stuff. Which is possible, right? There's two types of people who look at child pornography. There's people who are child molesters, and that's the type of pornography they prefer. And then there are people who go down this pornography rabbit hole where they just can't get off unless this stuff gets more and more degenerate. It's, it's a crime either way. It doesn't matter if you're robbing the bank to buy meth or to pay for your grandpa's funeral. It's still a crime. It doesn't matter if you're a child molesting freak or someone who's watched so much porn and become so degenerate you're watching it. But you're like, well, I would never actually do it. That's not the point. You're watching, what you're watching is a criminal act. And I always have to take the time out to say this. I know a lot of people, when they go, oh, child porn, what was it, some 16-year-old girl who's pretending to be 18? That's not what this type of stuff is. I was always under that impression, too, that, oh, it's some... 15-year-old girl who looks older, right? It's like someone who looks like she's 18. No, this stuff is like nine and under. Generally, that's the type of stuff that's being viewed. I don't know exactly what this dude had, what Kamal had on his computer, but it was enough for the feds to bash down his door and take him in at gunpoint. And I remember I'm sitting there. <laughs> it wasn't the, obviously wasn't the best meal anymore, right? It's like, oh, the food can take a while to get here. It's probably not going to taste that grand. Uh, because my buddy Jerry was, was grappling with this, all of this still. If I remember correctly, it started all like in January, February of this year. And now we're in July and we're sitting here. And he's still talking about it with the same pauses and the same emotional tug of war inside of him that I'm sure he was going through in February, March, in April. I mean, you know, he's still coming to his best friend got caught with these images on his computer. And it's interesting because there's two other ways to look at this is one is we're old men. Kamal is 50 years old. I don't know his last name. I can't pronounce it. Kamal's 50 years old and federally. When you commit a federal crime when in, in, you're in possession of child porn, it's five years mandatory minimum per image. So I don't know if he had 100 images. I don't know if he had 10. But unless you have a good lawyer that can really wrap it up and do a plea deal, and sometimes that happens, right? He's looking at a minimum of five years. Minimum. If he can get all of these combined into one crime. But see, the thing is, too, is that's for possession. He also traded it. Apparently, he was passing this stuff around. So that's another crime, right? I said earlier this season, I go, when you're a 20-year-old man, right? When I was 20 years old, stomping all over Sacramento, getting in fistfights. It was like I was a kid in a candy store fighting over candy. Whatever. 10 years in prison, whatever. I'm 20. I'll be out when I'm 30. Like, that's kind of your attitude, right? First off, you don't think you're ever going to get caught. But 
Secondly, you think, yeah, I beat someone up, and sure, you don't really do 10 years unless it's like second-degree manslaughter or something like that. But they beat someone up, I spend a couple weeks in jail, a year, whatever. If it's really bad, it's a couple years in prison. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get out. I'll be fine. When you're 50, the idea of spending five years in prison, there's no way, right? You're not institutionalized. You didn't go in and out of juvie as a child and then in and out of prison when in your 20s you're totally living a civilian lifestyle and now you're in prison for five years and here's the thing will he get five years let's say he got let's say he had five images on him which i think would be the minimum for the fbi to kick down your door five to 25 years is the sentence you're looking at and here's the thing. So he's not in jail right now. He gets sentenced on my birthday. October 4th is when he's going to find out how long he's going to have to spend in prison. And it's funny because Kamal committed this crime, right? He did commit this crime. I feel bad for Jerry. Because he didn't commit this crime. And Jerry has to watch his best friend go to prison. He understands why he has to go to prison. And I've been thinking, as I'm looking forward to my birthday like I do every year, Kamal will find out on my birthday how long he will spend in prison. And this is where the letter comes in. Kamal's dad called up Jerry over the summer and said, I need you to write a letter to the court telling them what a good man Kamal is. They have those letters that you write that you are able to present to the judge and say, listen, these are all the letters from community leaders. These are letters from members of the church. These are letters from friends and families and employers showing that my client is not just these crimes. Dad called up Jerry and said, I need you to write one of these letters for Kamal. I asked Jerry, I go, did you write the letter? And he goes, I don't know if I'm going to. And he's struggling with this decision. I don't know if I'm going to. Do I write that letter? What he did was inexcusable. It's his best friend. It's his best friend. And his best friend's dad is calling him up and saying, can you write... My son, your best friend, can you just write a letter saying that he's a good person? Because you've had experiences with him for over two decades. But the crime is so awful. If he had gotten into a bar fight and smashed a bottle over somebody's head and sliced their face up and they lost vision in one of their eyes, you'd write the letter. Right? He's a good guy. He has an out-drinking problem, right? He... But these are all the other experiences I had with them. He was driving down the road. Drunk. 
slams into a Subaru in front of him, killing kids sitting in the back seat on their way home from soccer practice. He'd write the letter. Horrible accident. Horrible, horrible accident. And there's no way that he can give back the life that he took. But I've known him for over 20 years. He's more than just that. But when someone has a collection of images on their computer that they've obviously been hoarding, collecting, and giving back out, trading, right? Distributing. How do you write that letter? It's fascinating. It's fascinating when we think about that. If it was someone who snapped and killed people, if it was someone who was drinking or on drugs and killed people, if it was someone who robbed a bank and killed people, I keep using that as an example, you would write the letter. But this crime is so gross. Do you write the letter? It's so fascinating because I hung out with Jerry a couple times on my vacation. And sometimes we would talk about this and sometimes we wouldn't, right? But it was so fascinating because... So Kamal's 50... Kamal's father's in his 70s. Imagine being 70 years old and everything going pretty according to plan. And then you find out your son just got arrested for... I mean, it just... It's the people on the sidelines that I feel bad for. Kamal did what he did. And he needs to pay for that. And here's the thing. Jerry knew the stakes. Jerry knew the stakes. He'd thought about this a lot. There's a big difference when you're 50 between 5 years and 20 years. But I, I, I don't really... I understand it as a period of time. This is the difference between me and Jerry. This is the difference between somebody who has a family and somebody who... I have a family, but I don't have my own family. I don't have children and stuff like that. When we're talking about the sentencing that's coming up, he said it's the difference... Five and 20 years, right? This time period. To me, five years in prison would suck. 20 years in prison would suck. You'd be getting out when you're 70. He saw it as a different way. He goes, it's the difference between whether or not you can attend your father's funeral. I go, oh my God, that's true. See, I'm not a family man. I don't think of it that way. Jerry is. See, and to him, that was the big thing. Kamal's dad is going to die in a very short time period, right? It's not a threat. It's not a threat, but if Kamal gets 20 years, then he'll never see his parents again. When you go into a federal system, when you get arrested as a federal crime, they can ship you anywhere in the United States. But even if his parents do come to the prison that he's at and they get to visit him, he'll never be able to hug him again. He'll never get another kiss from his mother. He'll never stand at the side of his father's deathbed, holding his hand. I didn't even think about that. It didn't even occur to me. He may, in fact, if he got 20 years, never even be able to visit his father's grave one day. He dies in prison himself. 
And that's a weighty decision, right? Because Jerry's thinking, should I write this letter? Could be the difference between whether or not Kamal gets to go to his father's funeral. And I remember it was shortly before I left to end my vacation when I came back up here. I was hanging out with Jerry. I think I hung out with Jerry a total of like four times, right? We would go over to his house and stuff like that. I asked him, you know, we're getting close to the end. I go, did you write the letter? And I told him too. I said before I <laughs> before I asked him, because again, like I needed to know on a narrative level, right? Because I already had established, I go, I have to tell this story on the podcast. So as my vacation was winding down, I asked him, did you write the letter? He goes, he couldn't even look me in the eyes. And I looked down and he goes, nah. Nah. I don't think it would have done any good anyways. And at this point, I'd actually done research on these types of letters. I don't remember them, but they're called off the top of my head. But these letters of reference or whatever it is. Personal character, character letters, character witness letters. And I go, they actually can do some good. They actually can help the judge see the defendant in a different light. And he just kind of goes, I didn't write it. And so we wait. We wait until October 4th. On my birthday, Jerry's best friend is going to find out how long he's going to spend in federal prison. And that's a whole other psychological battle going on, right? I, I was thinking, I was going, listen, if I'm out and I'm free, and I know on October 4th I'm going to walk into a room surrounded by armed guards, and someone is going to tell me how I'm going to spend the rest of my life, whether it is five years in a federal prison, 20 years in a federal prison, 50 years in a federal prison. Do you enter that room? Because he pled guilty. He has the files on him, all of that stuff. Do you walk into that room knowing you're not walking back out for a minimum of five years? Do you go on the run? They paid the bail, right? That money would be gone. You go for a run and hope they never find you? Do you spend a life as a fugitive? Do you just kill yourself? Do you just end it there? The unknown, the un... I can't, I can't imagine being in that situation, right? I cannot imagine being in that situation, right? I was with my buddy, uh, Billy, when he, when he was in court, right? My cousin Billy, when he went to court. And I sat there in the courtroom when they gave him 17 to life for murdering that guy. He stabbed the guy to death with a stake. And I've only stabbed him once, but it just went right into his heart. And they just killed the guy over they were having some sort of disagreement. I mean, that was rough, right? But again, like you're like, he, he murdered someone. That totally sucks. Whenever you have the L at the end of a sentence, he may never get out. But at that point, he was already arrested. He couldn't pay bail. He was on trial for murder, so he didn't have any choice but to walk into that room. But if you had a choice, if you're out free, and you know on October 4th you're going to walk into a room with armed guards, and a judge is going to tell you how long you are going to spend in prison, there is no zero years. Do you walk into that room? 
fascinating story, right? It ends next week. Well, ends in a way. The sentencing will happen. Kamal will find out how long he's spending in the federal prison system. For a completely avoidable crime. For something he did to himself. There's so many moral questions involved. Like, I haven't even touched on how the parents must feel about this whole thing, right? Imagine being in your 70s and getting that phone call from jail, your son. <sighs> it's insane, right? It's insane. And it happened, like, I've learned about this this summer. We've been recording all these episodes since the since I came back, right? And I've been wanting to tell this story because it's such a close-up view of a true crime story. You know, I'm standing on the outside, I'm looking in, but I'm looking at one of my really, really good friends struggling over simply putting pen to paper. Because how do you defend this? Can you even defend the man? Can you even separate the man from the charges in something like this? So fascinating. I'm lucky I did not have to make any decisions like that. I'm very, very lucky that I didn't have to spend the past couple months thinking about whether or not I would write a letter to defend someone against such heinous acts. Because your first thing, you know, a lot of people listening to this would be like, no, of course I want to write the letter. That's disgusting. But I've never been placed in that situation, and I hope that I never am. I'd be shocked, obviously, if I was, just like Jerry was shocked. But So just a fascinating story. And yeah, on the day that I'm sitting there eating my cookie dough ice cream cake from Dairy Queen, opening up my presents, he's going to be walking into a room full of armed guards and finding out how his life is going to end. While I am celebrating my birthday, Kamal is going to be finding out if he can attend his father's funeral. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.